In today's uh, time that we have in this preaching hour, uh, allow me to introduce to you a very familiar passage of Scripture. And if you have God's Word, won't you please turn to Exodus chapter 32 and 33. But we will be in 33, verse number 12 to verse number 23. Exodus chapter 33, verse number 12 to verse number 23. So let me set the stage for this text as you are turning uh, to that portion. Rather than being the bright beacon of God's glory among the nations, Israel often joined their idolatry. And rather than being God's choicest people to be a beacon shining bright in the world for many other nations to see the favor of God upon the nation of Israel, Israel often felt uh, pushed towards and found themselves guilty in following idolatry. And if you're reading about the nation of Israel, the nation that passed through the Red Sea and, and various other miracles that God has performed for them to see how faithful He is, one would consider that this nation, it's so fresh in the mind, they will never turn from God. Well, unfortunately, over and over again in the Old Testament, these people rebelled against God. They were judged severely, but they always, always followed again. And they have this pattern, this cycle, the nation of Israel. Disobedience, judgment, repentance, restoration. And they'll be okay for a while, and then they go again. Disobedience, judgment, repentance, restoration. God's gracious discipline was never enough to keep them from wandering. And we find in Scripture in the Old Testament that this is a common theme that God's people always, always went away from Him. And if I was part of the crowd, I would say, guys, didn't you forget the Red Sea? I'm afraid same is to be true on this side of the cross. We know Jesus Christ has come and He has set us free but we often find ourselves in the land of wandering. And we say, uh, is that David King over there? Man, David, hey, that's David King who's serving now in Tennessee. One of our children passed our deacon. We prayed, we blessed him, we sent him, he came back. I pray that uh, God is continuing to use your family. So good to see you. Let's show them some appreciation, right? Yeah, David King. I'm sure he and his wife taught your kids somewhere and he yelled at your basketball team somewhere down the road. <laughs> so thank you so much. We hear great things that God is doing. Another example of sending missionaries from church. We're so glad uh, that you are here joining us today. But isn't it the same in Tennessee? That people know God, they follow God, and then they get lost in the wandering, and then they take a long time to come back from the dry places. In this setting, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses is up on the mountain. Moses is meeting with God. Because what happened in Exodus chapter 32, he was on the mountain again. But this time when he was on the mountain, he was, he was connecting with God and communing with God. Down in the valley, the people of Israel got so impatient and full of their pride, they put pressure on Aaron, 
please, we don't know what happened to Moses. He's taking too long. We need something to worship. And so what did they do? They brought all their gold. Aaron said, bring all your gold, and from yourself, and from your children, and from your family, and they built a golden calf. Now let me ask you this, how come idols get the gold? Always, we give the best things to idols, but to the living God, we complain. On that note, so these people came and they built the golden calf, and this is what they said. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 4, this is what they said. Bad, bad line. This is what they said. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So while Moses is interceding and, and, and while he's with God, in the valley people have built a golden calf. And they told that golden calf, you know what? This is our God that brought us out of the land of Egypt. Obviously God is all-knowing and he's talking to Moses and Moses, do you know what's happening to our people down in the valley? And Moses comes rushing down in that, in that anger, he broke the tablets. And so he saw the people and what they were doing. And he saw the golden calf standing before them. And Moses went back up to the mountain to intercede to God on their behalf because God will wipe them away. And so we catch the story now in Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 12. So Moses is back on the mountain and Moses is interceding to God on behalf of the people that fell into sin in the valley. And this is what the Word of God says, Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. And obviously Moses, God said, I'm not coming and guiding this people anymore. I'm done with them. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And Moses is saying, God, show me your ways, so I can go down and show your people your ways again. Consider too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, and I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name of the Lord. 
And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory pass by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed away. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. As you can see, the interaction is going on with God and Moses. And Moses is saying, God, this is your people. I mean, you made the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that you will bless and you will multiply and you will take, him, take us to the land flowing with milk and honey. But if now you leave your people and desert your people, what are all the other nations going to say? That you brought us out of Egypt and you just wiped us out? Uh, Moses, why didn't the people think of that before they built the golden calf? And he's having this conversation. He says, God, if you're not going to go with us, we might as well not go anywhere. Because without you, we are doomed. God, please show favor upon us. Do not leave us. And at that point today, I'm here to tell you guys, during this Lent season, I've been going through a study about in prayer and, 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 and just being quiet before God. I know it's very weird, me being quiet, but I'm trying my best. And I'm trying to be quiet before God. And through this Lent season, I stumbled upon a study on idols. And how we give so much attention to things in our lives that we have created. That even the living God is sitting and waiting for you to spend time with. But we call Him Savior. So what is an idol? What is an idol? Well, the biblical definition of idolatry is this. An idol is any person, place, or thing that exercises control over the thoughts and desires of your heart that only God should have. That's what idolatry is. An idol is any person or place or thing that exercises control over the thoughts and desires of your heart that only God should have. So I'm pausing and being silenced before God. I'm here to remind you guys, whatever rules your heart will control your behavior. Today the most probable Thing for us in this culture, we're not going to go home, drive home to a golden calf. Well, I hope we don't. But something has taken residence in our heart that we have given it room. And we have accommodated it. Because you can be theologically aware, you can be biblical literate, and still be serving idols daily. You can be faithful in your personal daily quiet times, and still have actions, responses that shaped by idols. So if you're spending time with God, and you behave like somebody else when people interact with you, did you spend time with God? It could be power of influence as an idol, a desire for certain experiences, could be success, 
material possessions, physical strength or beauty, perhaps hatred and bitterness towards another person. Anything this side of God can be an idol. A desire for even a good thing becomes a bad thing when the desire becomes a ruling thing. But I'm here to remind you that idols can't take you to the promise of God. An idol will distract you from the promise of God. And in this text, the promise of the promised land is in jeopardy because people choose to build a golden calf and give the golden calf praise. Apparently, that calf parted the Red Sea. Perhaps today we need to take an account of where we spend our time, where we spend our resources, in fact, where we spend our energy. And the good question is, are we burning the light of the gospel where he has called us to be? And Moses is having this communion with God. He said, God, please have mercy on these people. I know that they are stiff-necked. I know that they are stubborn. In fact, they are foolish. And I'm reminded today, my dear friends, that as Moses was interceding on behalf of the nation of Israel to the living God, who is ready to wipe them out clean, it is a friendly reminder for us at Olive Baptist Church that we don't settle for what we see around us. So Moses asked God for three things in his continued intercession for Israel. And Moses is beseeching God. Moses is begging God. He's like, show me your glory. Show me that you are with us. Show me a sign that you are going to go with us. Because I know, God, without you, I am doomed. So the first thing Moses is a continued intercession uh, between God and Israel. Moses, number one, asked God to show me your ways in verse number 13. He says, show me your ways. Now, therefore, I have found favor in your sight. Please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. This is really serious because God's people has lost the way. They had turned from the voice of God to an image of God, small g. They have turned from the voice of God to a small image of God, which is total contradiction to the Word of God. I mean, this stuff, what they're doing, is in the top ten. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 4 and 5. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness, underline or any likeness, because you and I will justify, I don't have an image in my house, but you have a likeness. Of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, and that is water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord, your God, I am a jealous God. 
And God is telling Moses, I just gave you the Ten Commandments. And here they are building the golden calf. Because it is direct contradiction to the Word of God. Let me tell you guys, you cannot live in the will of God outside the ways of God. What I'm trying to say is you cannot live the will of God on your life and call it the will of God with your own strength. You live the will of God with the power of God. Because the will of God is straight and it's narrow. But unfortunately today, we like things and people that pat us on the shoulder and say, it's okay, you are doing well, and I'm sad to say, it is not the voice of God. The people's impatience and pride takes the center stage. How many times in our lives when God is not answering, we become impatient? Oh, tell me about it. Your impatience and then your pomp and your pride, guess what you do? You make your own way. And when your own way do not work out, you clench your fist to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why the psalmist says, show me your ways, O God. Show me your ways. Not only did they turn the voice from God to an image of God, they determined that they knew better than God themselves. They determined that they knew better than God himself. How do you know that? Well, what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1 to 8. The very same thing that Adam and Eve did, they are doing. So they thought, we'll ascribe God's character, God's presence, and God's redemptive action. Perhaps we can put that and say it's called a calf. So what Adam and Eve did, they thought, hey, we can be wise. And so they made the decision based on them becoming wise. So they directly insulted God's character. And when you come and you insult God's character, nothing good comes out of it. The only good came out of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1 and 8 and following, a sin came into the earth. Because Adam and Eve decided to have a settlement with the enemy. It may be not that bad. Let's just try one fruit. I mean, how bad can it be? I'm not having the entire bunch of grapes. Just one. And he plunged the rest of humanity into sin that now costs the life of Jesus Christ for redemption. Why? They insulted God's character. They insulted His presence. Now think with me for a minute. How many of you, when you look at the Scripture in Genesis chapter 3, God was looking for Adam and Eve to go for the walk in the cool of the day? Now just think with me. How many of you would like to sit and watch the sunset of Eden, the sun setting over Eden with God. So, so this picture, Shumakla, the sun is setting, 
and, 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 and God is there. What happened to Adam and Eve, they directly insulted God's character and presence by choosing not to be with Him, but rather be in hiding. You cannot worship God from hiding. You can only worship God the true transparency, yeah, I am. So when you say no to the invitation to take a walk in the cool of the day and to watch the sunset overheaten, you are totally insulting God on the plan He has for you by making your own plans for yourself. So the nation of Israel decided Moses is taking too long. We'll make a God to ourselves and we'll give this God, small letter God, all the credit. We'll teach our children that this golden calf, it parted the Red Sea. And God is burning with anger. He's burning with anger because God's ways are found in God's word. Listen to me, my friends. There are two ways to go through life. We can decay and live for ourselves, or we can be renewed and live for Jesus. There's, there's only two ways. We can live in decay and live for oneself, or we can be renewed and live an abundant life with Jesus. Because until Jesus is enough for you, no thing or person will ever be. So the first thing God and Moses having this conversation, Moses said, Lord, God Almighty, please show me your ways because until Jesus is enough for me, no thing or no person will ever be. Tim Keller up in New York, he says to students, know your creator before you find your career. Know your creator before you find your career. Because if you don't know your creator, you will become a slave to your career. And I'm here to tell you, dear students, your career did not die for you. Your creator died for you. So give me great joy to watch the students enjoying serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because many people have a different way. It's called a career. And you're living the best of life to be the most prominent person in your class. But you forgot the Creator in the days of your youth. Without Jesus, you will, not, you will amount to nothing. You know you should be good, but you know you're not good. Jesus Christ is the only master who will forgive you and guide you. There's no someone, there's no something, there's no some institution will ever forgive you and guide you like Jesus does. Come on, let's give some praise in the house of God. Walking with Jesus is the only identity you receive. You don't achieve it, you receive it. But you cannot achieve success outside of Jesus. You can only achieve success in Jesus, what he has already planned for you. Because I'm telling you, if you reach success 
By your own strength, you don't need a God. You will become the God on yourself. Because you look all around me and say, what a mighty God I am. And you will look around your living room and say, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Oh, that is very good. You'll be God all over again in Eden. In your address or in your dorm room. If you forget your creator. Psalm 143 and verse number 8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I will lift up my soul. Until Jesus is enough for you, no thing or person will ever be. No one can fill you like Jesus can. No one can satisfy like Jesus can. No one can forgive like Jesus can. No one can be a better friend than Jesus can. His name is Jesus. And what you got to do right now is put to death that golden calf you built for yourself and also take credit for. So Moses is interceding before God Almighty. Father, please spare these stiff-necked people that they will turn the attention from the golden calf and they'll put their eyes back on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I know it's gold, guys, but gold is a step down from God. Amen? Because your idols could be shiny. Your idols can make you feel good. Your idols can make you have a prestigious neighborhood, but your idol cannot compare to Jesus. I'm here to tell you, he is alive and your idol is dead. So Moses is begging people, follow Jesus, follow God. Why are you building for yourself that God tore it down? You know, often we look at society, we look at racism, we look at uh, socioeconomic difficulties. Why do we always build up what Jesus already tore down? Have one agenda, and that agenda is holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. So Moses is interceding and he's saying, God, show me your ways. But later on, Moses asked God to go with the Israel on the journey. Verse number 14 to verse number 13, uh, 17. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. My friend, value the presence of God more than the provisions of God. You see, you and I want to go in the presence of God because of what we can get. We want to be in the pray, in a posture of prayer because we have a list. And I'm just telling you, and I confess, in this Lent season, I am just sitting silently, enjoying being quiet, to sit in the presence of God. Value the presence of God more than the provisions of God. Because His provision is Jesus. And if He is not enough, you will never be satisfied. So I sit in the presence of Jesus and say, God, thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for the invitation to sit in your presence. Because there's power in the presence of God. Now Moses is speaking from example. Moses is telling God, God, if you don't go with us, we are doomed. Please don't take us further. How do I know that? Exodus chapter 3. Moses stumbles upon the burning bush. And the first thing God speaks to the burning bush, take off your sandals for where you stand is holy ground. Moses quickly took his sandals and that was holy ground. And then God tells him, I need to go to the land of Egypt and bring my people. He's like, who, me? You want me to? I can't even talk. I'll send your brother with you. What am I going to say when they ask who sent you? Say, I am sent you. Do you know the term I am is a present indicative active verb, meaning is a person and is always on the move. God is I am, is not I was. That is why the students, I didn't even know you singing it today. I had it in my notes. You answered prayers back then and you will answer now because you are the same God and your name is still I am. I mean, I don't want to serve a God that I, I was. I'm like, my God, he used to raise people from the dead. Like, my God, he used to heal the blind. Ah, my God still does. And he still will. And so Moses is saying, God, I experience victory in your presence. And I know that when I'm in your presence, great things happen. So please, when I look down upon those people, I'm so discouraged. Please rekindle the passion for me to be in your presence. Because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. College students, let me tell you about Tim Hunter. Your pastor, Tim Hunter, spends time with Jesus. And if John Huff is here, just say amen, John. Amen. Tim Hunter spends sacrificial time with Jesus, and he does not want to be disturbed because he wants to give the people around him the best that God has given him. And Tim teaches myself and John the seriousness of being with Jesus. And he's our pastor to the college students. Because Tim reminds us that if you do not be with Jesus, you'll never become like Jesus and you'll never do what Jesus did. You see, most of us, we skip the first two parts and we want to be this righteous person where we live, where we work, where we play. You cannot be this person doing good works if you don't be with Jesus and you don't become like Jesus. That means you are just doing self-righteous acts. It's a joy to have him on our team. Because Moses knows what happens when God goes before us. Because whatever God starts, he completes. And if God says he's going to complete and bring deliverance, he's going to do it. Because hear these words, my friends. The promises of God are best lived in the presence of God. The promises of God are best lived in the presence of God. So if God has given you a promise, he is going to flourish that promise and give you that promise when you are in the presence of God. 
The promised land is a promise of God. No one else can take you there. Marriage is a covenant of God. No one else will help you like the Creator does because marriage was God's idea. So don't think you can do anything else. Marriage will protect you. And if you are walking in pain today, I'm here to tell you that God is a God of healing. And you could be angry and could you be bitter or you could be sad sitting in God's presence today. I'm here to tell you in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You may be hurting. You may be feeling pain. You may be in distress. You may be lonely. But in the presence of God, you are victorious. Don't let anyone tell you anything else because in the presence of God, great things happen. And as I speak, great things are happening. A bull or any kind of idol cannot deliver the promise of God. Planting churches in the Northeast, so my daily commute was to Boston or New York City. I really got to upgrade when they brought me to pace. I'll tell you that. There's no commute, there's no trains, there's no Metro North. So when I was up there in the Northeast, so I would take the Metro North to Grand Central Station and meet all our NAM church planters and develop strategies for the city or go to Boston. But on my way to New York, I will see gentlemen just sitting with nice suits, with long overcoats, with a newspaper. So there's two things you do when you travel the Metro North. When somebody has a newspaper or they have earphones, don't talk to them. You're a nuisance. Just don't talk to them. And please, if you're a tourist up in New York City, please walk with the crowd, not against the crowd. Anyway, so those Yankees are mean dudes, okay? So these guys with the suits, the long coats, they read the newspaper, they all are big-time guys in the New York Stock Exchange. They're all bankers. And so if you go up to the Northeast, even at a restaurant, and if you say, do you want uh, something else to drink? They will tell you these words, I'm all set. That's what the Yankees say, I'm all set. What they're trying to tell you is there's nothing you have that I need. That's what they're telling you. Hey, I'm all set. Hey, so what do you know about Jesus? I'm all set. What they're telling you, I don't need Jesus in my life. Because in their house, their two boats, and their four cars, and their SUV, and that big old house, that is enough. I did all of that. It's my hard work. I'm all set. They would not tell you it belongs to the bank. They'll tell you they own it. And so in the Northeast, if you want to be like the Joneses, when you finally be like the Joneses, well, the Jones refinance, okay? And so the problem goes worse. You see, you and I have dreams and aspirations. Be careful that your dreams and aspirations align with the ways of God. May your business deals align with the will of God, the ways of God. Because you can easily move away and wander from the truth. And I'm telling you, every time you take that, the presence of God is not following you in your mess, my friend. The presence of God will only come and rescue you when you use the word repentance and confession, and you pick you up from the mess and the mire and bring you back to where you once supposed to be. That's a work of the cross. That the blood of Jesus Christ, yes, 
flows right down to your mess and picks you up because we told Jesus we have a better plan. And when you tell Jesus you have a better plan, you insult the creator of the universe. So what the nation of Israel told God, we have a better God built with our gold and this thing parted the Red Sea. And I'm here to remind you, friends, that when you take your eyes away from Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, you're placing it on somebody else who's your provider. No thing, no person will ever fill you like Jesus does. Because, like my friend Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands says, God doesn't shame you. God doesn't condemn you. He heals you and offers you a better way. So if you come to confession before God and you walked away from the presence of God, He's not going to put a big screen in your church next Sunday and say, ha ha, look at this guy. No. He just heals you and He shows you a better way. Because the promises of God is best lived with the people of God. I come again, who is here to multiply your joys and divide your pains. That is why we have connection groups. Sorry to rain on your parade. That bull that you call God did not give you what you have. faithfulness of God, look around us, has blessed us. But number three, Moses prays. Moses prays, not only show me your ways, not only promise your presence, but Moses asks God to show him his glory. Man, time is gone. Okay, let me go. Let's show him his glory. Moses asks God to show him his glory. The best remedy for a broken Heart is a new and a fresh vision of the glory of God. I mean, when last did you sit in the presence of God, didn't say anything, was in tears and like, I can't believe God loves me this much. Because this is what we did, guys. We don't open our sandals anymore into the presence of God like Moses. We just barge in and say, dear God, bless me, amen, and move on. Who are you? Who am I? The church of God must have a fresh vision of the glory of God because I'm here to tell you the glory of God became stale to us. And we are living lukewarm because everything is doing fine, but wait till the cancer report comes. Wait till bankruptcy comes. You will run to Jesus. Come on, Colton. God delights to give his children good things. And the best thing he has given has a name. And his name is? Jesus. That is why Paul closed in Romans chapter 7. He says, what a wretched sinner am I. The things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. 
who can save me, not what can save me, because what is an idol? Who has a name? His name is? And save you from this predicament. Oh, all of Baptist Church, delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart.